Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about player expectations and fairness. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Uh, what it is we do on this podcast is talk about games. Um, this episode is going to be a little focused on tabletop stuff because... In our slew of making episodes out of the Angry GM articles, yeah. uh, we have chosen another one. Uh, this one is about a a riddle. I, well, I guess you know, Mango. You int- introduce introduce it. You are the person who came up with this and found this, and I guess read him weekly or whatever. Now, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm a patron <laughs> of. Uh, yes, disclosure. I, I Patreon him as well. So you know, I'm not. I guess, I guess technically I'm shilling for him. Whatever. It's not important. Um, he, uh, so the angry GM, uh, according to legends ran this, ran a contest a long time ago for which he received a, uh, tremendous amount of vitriol. And very recently he came across the riddle again and he posted the riddle and the solution. I will link those down below. Um, there will be spoil, even though we're not going to focus on like the content of the riddle exactly, we're going to spoil the riddle so i would encourage you now to stop and go read that go read the riddle and the solution i'll link both um and uh maybe try and figure out the riddle because it's it's a neat riddle um but uh the kind of the framing device of this riddle is it's a party in a uh in a dungeon that has to solve a a, a logic puzzle um to get the crown for you essentially get the plot device for one of the characters um, so, or get the crown for the for one of the characters so they can claim the throne, or they have an easier time claiming the throne. He goes into kind of some of the justification in his answer because, as uh, you may or may not have gathered from the um, uh, what's it uh, like the the the, the vitriol he's gotten the the answer was to a lot of people unsatisfactory, and uh, I the, the kind of thing that's going to go into this episode um will uh go down the solution is kind of like setting proper player expectations so that this doesn't cause a problem. Cause, um, frankly, kind of, uh, I think a lot of people's got reaction to this would also be to kind of be like that. This is kind of unfair. So I want to read out the riddle because okay, I yeah. know some of you guys might be traveling or whatever. Um, and so after I finish reading out the riddle, you can pause the podcast, right? Think about your answer sort of thing, try and figure it out. And then we'll go into what the answer actually is and why, where it is, uh, like unfair and whatnot, and the and the process that because Mango and I both did this, where we read the riddle, tried to figure it out, and then came back to the answer because they're two separate articles. But so here is here is the puzzle, right? Party comes into a room, three treasure chests and a statue. Uh, Each treasure chest is bound in a particular metal, iron, copper, and bronze. As the party enters the room, a voice emanates from the walls. It says the following. You have proven your might, but you have not yet proven yourself to be worthy of the crown of kings. Rule by might alone is the way of tyrants. A true ruler must temper his might with wisdom. Now you must prove your wisdom. Each of the treasure chests is unlocked and easily opened. Two of them will destroy anyone who so much as touches them the third is safe to touch and contains the crown of kings if you would claim the crown lay your hand upon the statue and listen to its words if you are not willing to risk death you may leave a ruler must take great risks and make great sacrifices if if you are afraid of risk and sacrifice you are not fit to rule 
Uh, the room has a bunch of countermeasures in place, right? You can't cop out of the puzzle sort of thing. Um, when Once the party figures that out, they place their hand on the statue. The statue says, I speak only one true sentence. The copper chest is deadly to touch. The bronze chest is deadly to touch. The copper chest is safe to touch and contains the crown. After the statue is finished speaking, uh, then you can come and make your decision. All right, so pause the podcast now. Think about well, it a do, lot. Do you want to include the next part? Because that's also supposed to be part of the the solution pieces is is the party's first set of actions. Oh, is that is that Okay, well, okay, so here's a hint, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, so if you don't want the hint, right, if you just want to go in blank, right, you don't want to see what the, the kind of dummy party did, um, you can pause now. But here is what what happened to the party, right? Um, one of the players essentially figured out uh, this kind of step of logic, right? The statue says that the copper chest is both safe and deadly. It cannot be both. One of those sentences must be true, and one of them must be a lie. Since the statue only says one true statement, then the statement that the bronze chest is deadly must be a lie. Therefore, the crown must be in the bronze chest. Uh, what ended up happening is one of the players walked up to the bronze chest, confident in his answer, went to open it, and the chest exploded and killed him and turned him into gooey paste all over the walls. It was not the correct answer. Uh, the GM go. The GM explains to the player. The player initially feels that that's incredibly unfair, right? He thinks he's figured it out. The GM says, no, sorry, you didn't. I'm going to pull you into another room. We're going to talk it out a little bit. Uh... And then he and the GM go and talk in the other room. The GM explains himself. The player comes back in and says, I'm sorry. You know, he's right. The The, the puzzle is fair. I was wrong. Yeah, the, the, the kind of important operative there is that the GM guarantees that the, that the puzzle is kind of generally fair, right? It's not based on... It's not... The GM described angry describes it as being fair, which is kind of going to be the topic of discussion here. Um, and so if, if you'd like to think about what's happening here, uh, you know, take a pause, give you like, say like 10 more seconds to pause this that way. Um, if you're slow and you're like, you're driving, you're fumbling around maybe a little bit, you get to that pause button real quick because we're about to go into what's happened. All right. I think we've given them enough time to pause. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, um, what's, uh, so the solution, did, did you also want to read out the solution? Uh, do you want me to read out the solution? Where is, I'm not, I have to open up the solution okay. page. Okay. I'm on the solution page. Well, where is the solution well read out? It's, it's not particularly well read out. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he, the, the article is very long, but essentially, um, so, so the basis of the solution is that um, the sentence, on, the on, only one sentence I speak is true is not part of the instructions. So that's not necessarily um, necessarily true. Um, and so you can deduce from that, a, you can essentially go through the decision trees. Um, and I think the other big part of this is that, um, uh, is that once you've done all the decision trees, you're kind of down to a 50-50 shot. Either... Um, either it's the copper chest or the iron chest. 
um, and you don't have a known solution. Um, he also mentions that he made it the copper chest instead of the iron chest because um, it's kind of, essentially it's a trap for players who are like, oh, this is boring. He didn't say anything about the iron chest, so it's got to be the iron chest. Um, but I think that, the, the, like, those, those kind of, like, so he, he, he says he built the puzzle to trick logic puzzle experts. Um, and I think that stuff, like, kind of taken as, as a one set is discussable. But ultimately, the, the, big, the big thing that you have to arrive at is that you can't guarantee which chest you're going to choose because a, a leader has to be willing to sacrifice things, right? Like, the only way to solve the puzzle is to... Um, make a guess and potentially lose a party member, but then definitely know what the safe chest is. Um, do you think that's a fair summary, buddy? Uh, yes. All right. So, um, kind of, what's, what's your immediate reaction, buddy? Um, so, okay. So uh, the other thing, so I was really into this puzzle. Okay. I, uh, I, I read the article and I looked into it on my lunch yesterday and I was sitting there and Mango knows because I, I wanted to document my thought process. And so it was like one o'clock in the morning and I was just messaging Mango all the way down for my thought process on what the answer was. I came to a different conclusion because I added in a bit of like cheekiness. I guess uh, my thought was that because bronze is an alloy made of copper and tin, that the bronze chest is also the copper chest and must also be deadly because of kind of how the logic plays out. And therefore, the iron chest is the only, is like by process of elimination, the only non-deadly chest possible if you like. It, the logic is a little confusing and I went all the way down the list in order to get there. But it's, it is keyed on that, on that like bit of, I guess, like metallurgy trivia, right? Um, but I, so what I think is a little bit unfair about this puzzle and what would bug me not like endlessly about this puzzle is that there is no kind of one true definitive solution. Therefore, you must... Uh, uh, essentially kind of go in, go into it with a 50-50 shot, right? I don't think I would mind this puzzle as much if it relies on a bit of arcana in order to get to the right answer, right? You know, like, yes, I think it's kind of fair in a riddle to try and trick someone up by including a little bit of wordplay, or not, not really wordplay, but by including this kind of, like, little thing um, when it comes to copper and bronze, right? Um you know, it's not like he. It's not like it was the copper chest, the gold chest, the iron chest, all of which are unique, right? Um, it's the fact that 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 bronze and that copper share this related piece, right, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and and you know, as far as I understand it, I don't know if you followed my logic, but as far as I understand it, my logic is entirely sound when it comes to the copper. When it comes to the copper chest, bronze chest thing, like yes, you find you follow the logic and come to a definitive answer no matter what, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, but that, so, so that, that, that is, he actually, I think he mentioned in the article that someone brought that up. He's like, no, that's not what I was going for. Um, oh, but, did he mention that? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't remember. But, so my, um, my, my, my side of this is that, um, I thought there might be a way to like, because the, like one of the statements is the copper chest holds, the, is deadly to touch and holds the crown. I was like, ah, that's a bully. And only one side of that needs to be false for the whole thing to be false. And I thought that maybe there was something there. And apparently he also addresses that point. Um, but so I, I feel like you could make this fair, but I, I, this is why I want to talk about player expectation, right? 
I think taken in a vacuum, this puzzle is a little bit too much. I think kind of the expect the expectation going into this puzzle is going to be that there is one definitive solution. And I think that you need to like, especially when there's uh, like a, a player life kind of on the line, you have to set the expectation that, um, that that's a possibility that there, that there, there might not be one answer. Like, to me, you could, there are two versions of, like, the two halves of this puzzle are individually fair. Like, you can have a super obtuse puzzle, logic puzzle, that relies on these weird tricks about, like, where in the sentence, like, you know, what clause is where, and that determines, like, the truth of, the truth of it. Um, but you can come to a sing singular answer. I think that's fair. I also think, you know, a relatively trivial puzzle, which makes it very apparent that you're going to have to guess between the two is also fair. Like, I think that gets yeah, across this theme I, of I, like, you might have to sacrifice someone. Uh, so man, I don't know. I want to talk about this, but I do want to talk about this. Okay. So before my most recent rewrite of the book three section of, uh, of hell's rebels, there was a mandatory character sacrifice written into uh written into the campaign right and there was going to be a lot and and the idea so the and the idea was to kind of make this whole theme of this thing right the kind of fact that you need to sacrifice in order to win right you cannot get ahead without losing some stuff and it's your ability to kind of persevere past what you lost in order to right cement yourselves as true rightful kind of leaders right uh, and I felt really good about it, and I was, but as I was kind of breaking down into brass tacks, the idea that like you have to kind of theme sacrifice into everything, like for instance, the whole thing with um, uh, uh, the whole thing with Rupert dying or whatever was a little bit more scripted than what it ended up being, right? Like he kind of sacrifices himself for the Way Watchers um, in order for. Uh, in order for you guys to, and, and, th and there was some other stuff and I eventually kind of was just like, well, you know, like so much of this are kind so much of this is kind of gut punchy. And we had a conversation on the podcast a while ago about the kind of mandating of sacrifice inside of a game like this, that even though I think it's narratively satisfying, right. With the proper kind of setup, right. Like if the whole point of all of these little mini adventures you've been running is that you need to put stuff on the line and sacrifice. And then we get to the very end game and it's like, holy shit, one of the the people that needs to have a that needs to put their life on the line and sacrifice here is one of the party members i think that would be great and i think that would be satisfying but i think the kind of like i think the the gut punches of it over in if you set it up properly you have to be mean to the party a lot consecutively which sucks which is why i took it all out uh and kind of redesigned aspects uh redesigned aspects of it but the point that i'm trying to make a little bit in in conjunction with this is that the reason i was comfortable with that decision for as long as i was was because of how well set up i wanted it to be right and this does not seem very well set up to me it is one line one offline in the contest that makes this Right, that like makes this decision happen. A ruler must take great risks and make great sacrifices. If you are afraid of risk and sacrifice, you are not fit to rule. That's just not enough for me in order to kind of like drive the point home that if you want to, you know, like if you want to beat the puzzle, you're going to just have to kind of guess. Yeah. The other thing is, is that it also, I mean, and maybe this is just the min maxer in me. 
It also demands me to say, well, if I can just come and go as I please, why don't I just, like, go grab a random NPC, pay him to open the chest and be, like, a lying piece of shit about it, and then he blows up and nobody in the party dies? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, so, so just kind of, uh, the, the, the part that you kind of implicitly addressed there is that, um, uh, a part and parcel of this was that the, the, uh, the tomb also told the party that they were free to leave, that they, they didn't have to take this test if they didn't want to like risk dying essentially. Um, and I think I agree with you for most of it. I think that like the reason I'm okay, like what I said right before you went into your thing is, is if you make it obvious that you're going to have to make the risk is fine is because I think sacrifice is, is, is more fair uh, maybe not more for, but, but like you set the right expectation. If you go into it, knowing that you might like that, your character might die, right? Like the problem I find with, with the kind of the two halves of this puzzle combined is that there is a chance because the, you know, the, the puzzle so obtuse in its, in its own right, there's a very good chance that you will be making this choice. Like, like, you will be making your choice with the risk of your character dying without kind of knowing it, right? Like, you can come upon what you think is an answer and and perish, kind of, with, with like... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. This is another thing that I was thinking about a lot was the kind of, like, the moment when you realize that one of you is going to have to die in order for the rest of you to get out. And I think that moment right there where, like, all of a sudden everyone's like, no, it should be me. Or it should be, you know, like, or whatever yeah. it else, right? Like, like oh, Beauregard has to out. get out because whatever. Or, you know, but, like, Rakax, you know, Rakax or Marigreg or whoever else is kind of, like, you know, I am disposable. I am expendable. I'm willing to put my life on the line. I think that moment can be great and can really work. Um, and it is probably one of, like, the truest kind of, uh, like, distillations of, like, great RP that you could find uh, in a D&D campaign, right? But I also think that it's finicky setting that up and executing that in a satisfactory way because I think it's easy for people to almost cop out of it and then get hurt when it's, you know what I mean? Like, the original, like... Part of, part of this whole thing is that I know you guys are you guys, and if you can get away with not sacrificing yourselves, you would prefer not to, right? Which right. means that I had to build in a whole, bunch, a, a whole lot of extra kind of, um, like, reasons to say no to creative solutions. And I think the barrage of no's that inevitably accompanies that is something that puts the GM and the player on an, in an adversarial relationship almost. And so when you give up and you give in to me, right, and you sacrifice yourself, you like all of that good stuff that I'm talking about has kind of been lost, right? Um, yeah, and, it, 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 it and that realization like was a big one. It, it feel it, it would feel like you were railroading us into it, and and. Uh, an unimpeachable fate, which, which to be fair, you, you are doing, but like that's the kind of thing where it's like, like you know, you, you it, I feel like it, it feels like you're taking player agency away, like kind of wholesale, which is, um, which, which, well, I mean, so yeah, but that, and so yes, I am doing that, but just to defend the idea for a second, right? Like that's the point a little bit sure. is kind of you know what I mean, like so, so, um, so, 
putting your so here's here's where I think the difference is right like putting yourself in a situation where that's kind of like the most likely outcome um is I think fine but like putting yourself in such a way that like kind of everything is everything's taken away like it also depends on how arbitrary it feels right like if there's I think this is part of like the, the kind of great balancing act of um of of kind of the, the this uh, of of tabletop RPGs in general, right? Like, if you are going to deny a player that kind of agency, it can't also be on the back of them like giving giving you what you wanted as the GM, kind of out of courtesy. If, if this makes let, let me let me phrase that a little bit better, like part of part part of these of these games in general is that um there's kind of this like unspoken social contract that the players won't try and push things too far off the rails right the party doesn't mm. say well time to leave ravenel and like go start a life of piracy on the high seas right like we, we know that you know the the game is generally going to be chasing this this hell's rebels objective and we agree to do that um and that kind of, like in a more microscopic level is kind of like we kind of agree to go into the situations that you set up um, to a certain extent. And if you kind of like use that as a way to kind of to, to, to trap players in, and when I say you, I don't mean you in particular. I mean like when, it, when a GM uses that kind of trust to put players in a situation that maybe they would have thought twice about, but we're going along with just kind of for the sake of the game. I think that that is what really feels bad mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense right like if, if like like this uh kind of what, what's what's a good example maybe like i don't i i, I don't like like uh see it, i think the perfect way to see it, it's tough because i really like i really like this and i want this right you know it's something i right. want um but i think it's really tough to kind of get there Without, without kind of, maybe you could spoil it a little bit for your players and say, you know, like, by the way, you should, you know, I think this is something that's actually more true about the angry DM than is about us in our groups, but that like death is a little bit more, uh, common, I guess. Sure. I, 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 um, I think that's another part of this too, is that if you're playing at a game in a game where death is more, more common and more expect like if all game long, this has been a thing that's been happening, right? Like you go into moderate danger and you'll, you know, you'll end up the other side with one or two less 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 characters, um, and people have to re-roll. I think this this feels a lot less worse or a lot yeah. less bad. The type of but games like, that you know, we like, type so to play. So, for instance, we've yeah we've had a, we've had a lot of situations in Hell's Rebels where death is built to be a punishment in that you know like in that sense, right? Like. Someone, you know, someone goes down and a mook goes up and prepares an execution for them. And the implicit kind of challenge there is, can you interrupt this person before they carry out the execution? If the answer is no, right, you are being punished for poor strategy, essentially, right? right? Um, and there have been a lot of, and I, and I love that interaction, right? I think that interaction is super strong. I think it really shakes up the kind of, uh, the kind of dynamics of what goes on in the fight. I think it, it gets people to think outside the box, you know, use their action points, right? Uh, try and do cool, larger than life stuff that's not just, 
uh, you know, like rolling dice, right? And hey, man, if you can accomplish that same goal just by rolling dice, more power to you sort of thing, right? But I kind of can't have that attitude about death, right? And have this kind of railroading of sacrifice without those two things kind of bumping heads and becoming uh, uh, like a little discordant in, in, in the minds of the players, right? Yeah. Because they're going to read their sacrifice as... You know, like, they're going to read the sacrifice as somewhere along the way, we fucked up. We did not make the proper choices, right? And that's why we are now at the, you know, like, now we have to face down this sacrifice, right? Which is not something that I necessarily, you know what I mean? Like, that's not something that, that, I, want, that I want to do as part of the kind of idea of railroading this, right? It's actually very much the opposite. It's giving you the chance for a player to be kind of noble in a situation that is that is kind of inevitable no matter what right oh, like see, the odds see, are just that mm. stacked against you and now you have to kind of be boromir or gandalf or you know whoever else right and kind of sacrifice yourself for the party and we can all go on and remember you know like see, I, the only reason we're here is because Rakax like sacrifice himself sort of thing. so so i i i kind of feel the same conclusion but i th i kind of feel the opposite on on your on the way you get there like i think that the only way you do, like i think the only way you do this right is if you kind of trap the players in a way that feels like or organic them right like beauregard manages to convince the party to do something that's risky but like ultimately, a, like a trap that Beauregard would fall into, right? Like like some some power grab that you know he's that's just too tasty for him to be cautious about, it, or something like that. And then the party walks into that, and it is on them, right? They did get caught out, but then it's on them. I feel like if you railroad railroad a person into a sacrifice, that feels so much worse because it feels it like I feel I feel like it would feel so much worse if I felt like I couldn't get out of this, like 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 there was nothing I could have done to get out of this. Then like like that. that, that that aggravates me kind of at, like, the game, right? Because, like, you know, this is... The game is supposed to be a, a, a thing that I have control over in, 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 as, as a player in, in some regard, right? And, like, kind of mandating that this, that this will happen regardless of anything feels really bad, but kind of trapping trapping characters on their own hubris and on their own kind of faults i think is much more fair game and, and feels a lot better to players uh, i so i do agree that that's a little bit more fair game but i also think that it it makes the sacrifice kind of uh uh kind of negative in a way that i don't want it to be right maybe boromir is the wrong kind of maybe boromir is the wrong kind of way to think about it because in a way like he's he is sacrificing himself in order to kind of like get repentance or whatever but it is more i'm talking about kind of like a more jesus like noble noble sacrifice of just like the odd like no matter what the situation you are in the odds are just that stacked against you right and it is and it is just there you're like the, you the fact that you can get most of the party out alive is a blessing in and of itself right and the fact that somebody has to stay behind and press the button or whatever to blow up the asteroid kind of a thing right um there's it is that is that is not a it's not a punishment on the party or whatever it is an acknowledgement of how high the stakes are if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, and I'm, I'm like, because I I can see like you know you mentioned Gandalf before, and I can see Gandalf from kind of both of our perspectives, um you know it's essentially you know the players kind of chose to enter the mines, and then you know somebody in my mind that's a, a player spontaneously deciding you know 
I'm going to be the one to make the stand here so that everybody else can go away. And I think that's kind of the right way to do it. But then on the other side, you kind of like, I guess from your perspective, it'd be like you've railroaded the players in, in some way in, into this situation and railroading is maybe not the right term, but kind of like you've got the players in the situation where that's like the only thing that can happen. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it is it is more built to be kind of a lot like, you know, it's, it's built a little bit more to be like Rogue One almost, right? Where just like the, like it is so, the odds are just so stacked against you that even the, like, like that the fact that you accomplish whatever this goal is, right? And get some people, and get some people out safely is a victory like in and of itself, if that makes sense. And that's something I and and you know and like yeah and there's a point of that that is a little disappointing right like like the fact that you couldn't outthink it that Beauregard that no matter what he did Beauregard just could not overcome this threat right and we just had to we just had to kind of uh, we had to stop the bleeding and cauterize the wound with someone's death essentially right um, and like and that's a and that's a part of it but it's also something that like. Um, See, you know, in a way, this is a little bit of, like, me designing games for me. I would love to be in a situation where I get to argue my character's, like, sacrifice and use that, like, almost going into the, into the future and, like, roll a new character or whatever. But, like, oh, you know, like... What, you know, like, whatever it is, right? Like, Kenzo, you know, Kenzo gave his life to kill whatever, and now there's a new guy in the party and trying to fill Kenzo's shoes. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of juicy stuff. There's a, See, there's a I, I, fertile, fertile ground there. I, I agree with you, but I, I feel like I would hate it if it was like, well, I have to do this, right? Like, if I'm making the choice to to do that, like, like right, you know, like, let's say... Uh, uh, what's 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 an example from from one of the games we played um, recently? Like, uh, let's say we, we we get to fucking uh, Rune Lord, well, whatever his name was, I forget. And like, you know, um, it's it's essentially the party has to like. It says the, the Wind Wanderer says, you know, I will I will hold that you know like, either we can try and outrun this flood right like there was that that flooding scene either we could try and outrun this flood or you know the wooden wanderers like i can hold back the tide by like putting up like seven different wooden walls but i have to stand here to like maintain concentration and when that falls all like you guys will all get out but i'll probably succumb right like i'm making that choice that feels great to me right like i'm forced into that right like you know like you know well one of you has to sacrifice yourself right like it's like that that feels much worse to me like, like the the fact that i have i have Taking it upon myself to to do that action feels feels right and feels heroic. The fact that you know somebody accepts kind of like the position because that's the way you move the plot forward feels so much worse to me, personally. See, this is actually what uh, <laughs> this is what Rachel did, uh, which prompted another rewrite to incorporate it because I think I so I think the the idea of what you're getting at is right, and it's a little bit and so you know. It's a, it's something because I don't want to reveal what it is sure. because moments are still in there even though like the actual kind of necessity to sacrifice has been written out. But the what Rachel said about this was she was like, well, you you know you need to make it you need to make it like a choice of either one player sacrifices their character essentially for free or they take a big hit somewhere else, which ended up being kind of uh, 
right? Like either one of the players sticks around and blows up the asteroid sort of thing, or a whole bunch of the NPCs that you, or, or like you have to use a whole bunch of resources, you know, whatever else it is yeah. kind of thing, right? No, like no, I, I something, yeah. something like that. You have to kind of sacrifice yourself for that. But the thing that I, but then the thing that convinced me out of that mindset, and this is actually what it was in for a long time. This is kind of like sacrifice version 2.0 was in this land for a long time. But the thing that kind of convinced me out of that was that it then became a matter of um uh it then kind of became a matter of like it's still railroady but the moment like the 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 inevitability of it doesn't feel doesn't create the same kind of atmosphere if that makes sense right like if it's one of you guys and you all choose to draw straws or whatever and then you know, I, I don't know why I keep making Armageddon references, but for some reason, this is just, like, the best way for me to visualize this, right? And then, you know, like, oh, Bruce Willis blows himself up kind of thing, right? Like, that's a different set of circumstances to me than, like, you guys kind of making the... Like, there's, there's kind of a more business, almost, approach to it when it's like, well... Okay, let's think about this for a second. Is it possible for us to lay down the lives of all of our NPCs, right? Do we actually need Tonric and Rubric and, you know, whatever else, right? Like, oh, the whole Silver Council, you know, like the whole Silver Congress is going to die, but the five of us are going to live. Do we really need them? And I, and like, that kind of like cost benefit ana like analysis, in like analytical side side of making the decision from that perspective is not something that I want, right? And I think that's something the party absolutely would would start getting in the mindset of and thinking about because this isn't a logics decision. It's a it's an emotional one, right? Sure. And it should be an emotional moment, not a logic moment, uh, which is why I was just like, you know what? I just but can't see, make this work, so I scrapped see, it. See, I, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're the, the wrong group of players for but I think you could still make that, like, I think it's okay for, like, say... Let's, let's say Alaric, because Alaric's probably the most, like, logician character in the party right now. To be like, you know, well, we could, you know, scrap the Silver Council. We'd get on without them. We're probably more valuable than them. And then, like, to have somebody else respond in kind, like, you know, like, no, that's terrible. Like, one of us needs to lay down, like, our, our, our lives for this. But I, I think this is kind of like, I think this is kind of like what has to go into the the party in a way, right? Like, I, I think in a situation where you've got a party of cowards, right? And the, the, the alternative is a terrible thing happens and your characters have to live with the shame that they let a bunch of innocent people die because none of them would step up and take the bullet. I think that's the right way for that party to play out that encounter, if that makes sense. Right? Like, if there's a hero that's willing to sacrifice himself, that's all fine and dandy. But if there isn't, if they're all like you know, like if, if they're they're a bunch of like assholes, right? Like maybe they don't. Um, and that, that's that that's another type of story, but I still think that's a good story. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that's a good story too. I was also thinking about it from the perspective of like I don't want someone to make the decision. I could see you know like Enoch do this kind of thing, right? Where you know I offer this up and he goes immediately and goes, "Oh my God, Rakax dies." I do it. Rakax does it because he's looking to just re-roll his character or something like that. You know, you you know, know what, what I, I mean? Like, you know what I think the bigger risk for somebody like that is is like, oh, this is the trope where he puts himself up for sacrifice, but he doesn't actually die. And then like five minutes later, he's like, "Wait, I'm actually dead." Oh, 
right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah, that 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 is definitely also a thing. And I think that there's just so many mi- like there's so many like minds yeah, in here. Um, and I think actually this kind of I think rolls it back to our base point, right? Like I think kind of like the expectation of tropes to kind of like exist kind of informs this riddle thing. Like it informs like, um. You know, like Rakak saying, you know, Rakak's potentially expecting to not actually die for putting himself up for sacrifice, or you know, um, like the characters expecting there to be a single single solution to the puzzle, um, or kind of like the characters. Um, I I think in general there's an expectation that when you make the like, if you're going to make a choice that's going to potentially sacrifice a character, you're going to know it when it happens, right? Like, I think like in in this case. I don't think, at least the way the story is told in in the article, I don't think it's signposted hard enough that the choice is essentially risk someone or leave and have to figure out how you take the throne. Yeah, that is exactly that is exactly what bugs me about it. Right? It's just the one. It's just the one line. That's it. Right? There's nothing more. Uh, and, and there's you, nothing more to it. And and to kind of maintain the integrity of the riddle. He has to, right? Like he he has to uh he he has to keep it that way, which I think is kind of why I think these two halves don't fit together perfectly. Um I mean I, I think maybe you can see this, right? Like, you know, if you know, you've gone through several other puzzles in the dungeon and they're all this kind of like fuckery, and so you're expecting the fuckery side of it. Um and so like eventually like you know like like I, like the problem with this puzzle is that somebody looks at this puzzle and is like I have the solution and it seems like the right solution very easily, um, and kind of on the expectation of the trope of like you know, like the trope says that the player who touched the bronze chest, it like doesn't think twice about it afterwards because he's or you know doesn't think twice about it beforehand because he's found the solution to the logic puzzle, right? There's no signpost that this is going to be a fucky puzzle. You can yeah. signpost it early, like, you know, if there's, like, other logic puzzles that are, like, that are fucky earlier in the campaign or whatever, or, you know, even from the GM standpoint, right? Like, I could totally buy, you know, you've been playing with the angry GM for long enough to know that this is the way he does puzzles that you, that, that you, that you um stop and understand this is going to be a fucky puzzle, and then eventually you come to the conclusion, okay, it's definitely that, somebody is going to have to sacrifice themselves. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think, by the way, that you can set this up, like, maybe there's more context here that we're not necessarily seeing, right? Like, if the whole dungeon is full of, you know, like, you know, the ghost of of the, 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 the round table of knights that the king relied on, right? And the ghosts are all telling stories about the king and the subtext of all of these stories is that the king was willing to make sacrifices for the greater good, right? Like if you prime the whole, if you prime the whole dungeon with that, then I think you can, you can set it off by having a puzzle that ends in, there's no right answer. You have to guess. You have to take a right. risk, sort of, sort of thing, right? Like, th- that's fine. But you can't fire that gun unless you load it, essentially. And it doesn't feel like it's been loaded from the context that he's given. Yeah. Uh, oh. Instead, it's it feels just like a big fuck you, right? And he admit he he admits to that, right? At the very top of the solution part, he talks about how you know, right? Like, um, this was created for the, the riddle. Like he, yeah, like like he was a trolley you know, 
he, he, he says the contest was designed to fuck with people's heads on multiple levels. Back then I was far more trolly than I am now. And I delighted in screwing with people who thought they were good at this kind of crap. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that is an awful reason to put something in your game. Right. right. And then he, he, uh, he said he's never actually run this in a game, right? Like this was a riddle he created solely for the contest. Um, and he said he's confident that he would put it, that he would be confident enough to put it in his game um, his one of his games now, but I also think that like he'd put better con- like knowing the way that he runs his games, I think he'd put better context around it if he were to do that. Um, yeah. To kind of rewind, to re- rewind to the base of this point uh, for a second, I think you can kind of be at the end of the, at the end of the dungeon, right? Like a king demands great sacrifice, right? Like one of these just has the crown in it. You don't know which one. One of them will kill. You know, if you one of them will will kill you. One of them will not. Go f- like you know either walk out or pick the just i think that's also a perfectly fine like it's not even like a trap or like that's a perfectly fine encounter right like um yeah. you know kind of also with the understanding that like i think you also kind of need the way the way i see this so so just to, to kind of flesh out the full idea there's i think good places for what i use is you know like roll an intuition check is what i usually say but i don't really look at the um, the result, and I just tell the players what they, like, you know, kind of a thing that they should note that maybe they're getting caught on because of, of like, genre expectations. Um, you know, like, like, in the, like you know, let's say they get to the end of the dungeon, they're like, you have to pick one chest, there's a 50% chance of of uh, of killing of, of killing you, right? Like, it's like, well, what what do we do? We, we can't solve this problem. And, you know, it'd be like, you know, like... Uh, you know, in this case, it's a statue that booms it out, but or or you know something like, well, the door is open. You know, like, like roll an intuition check, regardless of the of the result. You know, you know you could, like you, you realize that you could just walk out the door, right? And then you know, this, so the, the the part the part that this this, this is Ooh, interesting. The part this is more important for I think is less the you can walk out the door and more the like, but we need the crown in order to ascend the throne, is to have like, like if. Because this this is the problem I I get to when it's like, um, you know, the kind of like you're walking down the railroad because you you've been asked to, right? If the players don't think there's a possibility of attaining the throne without the crown, they'll think that they have to do this. But they should be like I I feel like they should be informed of the choice that they don't have to do it with the crown. Oh, see, oh man, I am the exact opposite. If I were to run this dungeon, right, this, that is the, the way that I set this up before is kind of how I would do it, right? I would have the dungeon um, kind of be like a set of kind of like traps and tests and oh, you fight these golems and that golem and all of these things and at the end of each kind of room, right, you get one of one of the king's kind of like buddies or whatever who tells you a little story about the king and everything like that is trying to like impart on you this wisdom and then you get to the final room and the door locks behind you and there's probably just two chests right there's not this whole riddle thing or whatever and it's just you know a king needs to make great sacrifices or whatever one of the two chests has the crown and the proper decision to make there is the fact that you are like your group mirrors the group of ghosts in the in the dungeon essentially and one of your guys should be willing to put his life on the line for you essentially right once one of your guys is willing to die for you kind of thing that's when right that's when the stakes are the highest then you get this moment of just like oh my god you know rob 
rob the knight or whatever. I cannot believe you're willing to take this risk for me sort of thing. Hug it out. He goes and opens one of the chests, right? Maybe one of them, maybe it blows up. Maybe he's fine, right? You know, like that kind of thing. I think that would be the perfect way to run this dungeon and get into this whole, and get into this whole kind of like mindset about it. I think when you open the door and say, you can leave if you want, I think it kind of undercuts it kind of undercuts everything. I think you need like a, there's no turning back. Maybe there's a version of this that's like, you know, like, okay, okay. So here's the, here, I, I do want to say, maybe there's a version of this where the, um, in the chess room, there's also another door that opens that's not behind you, but that's in front of you, right? And says, this door leads to the surface, but understand if you choose to take it, you can never return kind of sure thing, yeah right? okay yeah and you yeah. can't and you can't like it is impossible to get the crown right yeah it, it, uh, if, and that's if not that's just the condition to, yeah. you're, you're worried about then yeah i, I can absolutely agree well with so that. and and and, yeah, and that, by the way that is not meant to be a um that is not meant to be like a like a fuck you to somebody who wants to do the kind of cheat that i was talking about earlier where you just go hire a hobo bring him in get him to open the chest and die sort of thing it is i think i think that having the ability to kind of walk away like that would it would actually be a very cool turning point and i think it would be very neat for a party to in the face of this kind of sacrifice be like you know what it's I not don't need worth to be it king it's not worth it and you you just continue it you know, you or, just continue the game from then. Yeah, well, well, well I'll, I'll become ki like you know, I'll become king by some other means, right? Now, like the the point I was driving at earlier is that is that the I I feel like you kind of like there's kind of there's there's always this kind of false choice issue, um, where like, um, like if if you if if this 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 happens this way and the players don't think that they can actually walk through this door and continue the campaign. That's a, a problem. If that makes sense. Right. Like, I think the player, like I could very easily see players thinking like, well, you know, yes, that's a technical option that exists. Walk through that door and walk out and never get the crown, but we can't actually do like, you know, like that's not a real solution. That's a, the campaigns over here option. Um, which is, which, which is, I think it's own problem, which is what, what I, what I use is kind of like, intuition type check things for you know like the players can't the players can't see the forest for the trees because for for some for some reason and they need a nudge to know that that like an option that they're like the an option that they've discarded wasn't an option that they they could take um um and you know if they discard it for the wrong reason i have no problem letting, letting them be like well whatever you you screwed that up but if they're they're their their response is well you know, like, like, uh, you know, Char Charles brings this up sometimes in the games more often kind of in the middle of a game than I'd like him to, but it's like, you know, you know, kind of like the party needs to stay together because the party needs to stay together. Um, well, maybe the party doesn't need to stay together. Um, for, for, for like, if that ever becomes like a real option, like letting the players know that that's a real option is, is a thing. Whereas I think an important thing that a GM needs to be able to imagine. And maybe I'm just not good enough to signal that without being like, you know, you realize that you could do this without it, right? Um, but you, how, how do you feel about that? I like moments like this that uh, I like. I like moments like that that are huge turning points. For the campaign in screenwriting terms um 
there are, uh, uh, you know, so like a, a story breaks. So first you have the whole story, then you have acts, then you have scenes inside of those acts, right? Then you have plot points inside of those scenes, then you have beats inside of those plot points, essentially. And a plot point is essentially when um, a, like a decision gets made that cannot be gone back on, essentially, if that makes sense, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like Luke leaves to, you know, like Luke leaves to go, uh, find Obi-Wan and then, you know, it may, or, and Owen and Baru get killed, right? All of a sudden he can't go back to his old life. If that makes sense, that the plot irrevocably changes because he made that decision, right? If he didn't make that decision, if he made another version of that de decision, the plot stops because he dies because he's there, right? Um, I like moments like this a lot in D&D because I think there is a lot of thinking that is counter to this on the behalf of players, right? Players assume that they can go back on something, right? And I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be possible. We've been pretty good about this in Hell's Rebels, right? Like, so for instance, Barzillai Thrun figuring out your guys' names is a pretty huge plot point, right? It drives you out of the city. You cannot be in the city anymore because you're just going to be hassled and fucked by Dotari and, you know, whoever else the entire time so you need to leave that in the hands of the allies you've collected and go into the countryside kind of thing right this is a this is a plot point and i love the idea of giving the players a true plot point where they could make one of two different decisions and send the campaign in radically different directions right the version of this where you either you either kind of stick to the script sacrifice one of the party members theoretically um and and get the crown of kings and then go ascend to the throne right that is that is kind of version a but then there's also version b where you and the party decide that the lives of your allies are not worth the crown essentially and you are willing to forsake the you know like you are willing to just abandon the quest to be king outright right because, you know, like the cost is just too damn high and you guys are going to figure out some other way to do whatever else you are trying to, you know, you are trying to accomplish, right? Like, I think that kind of a choice, that kind of a decision is super cool and interesting. And I really love, uh, I really love the kind of, um, uh, I really love the dynamic that goes into that. Like there, you know, it, it pops up in games from time to time, but it's always, it always feels a little bit false to me. And so whenever I do this kind of thing, I want it to be a real choice, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I, I agree 100%, but how do you, like, the concern I have is kind of like, you know, it, it, it's, it's when the players come to this choice, they don't think that walking out the door is a choice they can make and have the campaign keep going type of yeah problem. i know i know that's exactly that's exactly the problem that i uh that's exactly the problem that i'm kind of identifying another version of this by the way like a choice that you guys have made in hell's rebel like inside of uh hell's rebels itself was about the um like the cult of lilith you know like that thing where she offers she essentially kind of like surrenders and is like hey listen let me get out of here and you have you know like you have every guarantee that i'm not going to fuck with you guys uh we're we are going to pull out of kintargo entirely kind of thing like that's yeah you could have you could have agreed to that right it's a much smaller scale version of what i'm talking right. about and i i fantasize about making the bigger scale version of this like a reality but it is very tough um, 
and uh, and so and I and so I think like yeah, you just kind of need to make it. Honestly, I don't mind making that out of character clear by just saying like I want you guys to know seriously. You can go either way on this, and I will support you 110%. Yeah. This is not a moment for railroading. This is a moment where I'm interested to see the, the to see the wheels turning and the reasons why and the decision that you choose to make. Right. So make you know like make the decision. Um, and even if that means I have to throw out, you know, everything I've written for books, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? I'm that's fine. I'm totally up to do that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I I also think that this is kind of a a particular issue with adventure paths because there's kind of um an an uh an expected um uh an expected way for for things to go like because it's yeah. an adventure path right like definitely the, like you know kind of everybody knows that there, there's a thread that needs to kind of be followed um but yeah i i don't know i i think that's uh i think that's how you uh i think i think you gotta have to just signpost it then yeah, I think there's no other way. Uh, there's no other way around it. I uh, theoretically, in my head, I kind of feel like there's a possibility that you can make the choice. Like, if you work to make the choice as fair as possible, you might not need to signpost signpost it necessarily. I don't know. I always want these choices to kind of like be balanced and fair, so that it's not you know. I hate the kind of uh, I hate the kind of cost benefit analysis making the decision for you aspect of it. I am much more interested in um, kind of the, uh, you know, like the ethos making the, yeah, making the choice for you. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, that's exactly kind of what the whole, I mean, uh, it's a little bit of a more advanced version of this, but those, the kind of like priorities of the city, I was super down and willing to, just infect the whole city with the Saphophage. Right. Um, if you guys weren't careful and didn't take care of yourselves, right? Um, and you are dealing with the very real consequences of the choice you made, right? You guys fucking over Cassius, uh, Cassius Vasquez has caused this piracy problem to really explode, right? Now all of a sudden they have a leader and you guys have to go deal with these, you know, you guys have to go deal with these pirates. That's not a problem that exists except for the fact that you made the hard decision to cast you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could have gone with Cassius. You could have gone with Mateo, right? This is a problem only because, you know, this is a problem in your way only because you chose to go with, you know, Mateo over Cassius, um, essentially. And, you know, that that was a decision that was meant to be kind of as, uh, like, as fair as I could possibly, as yeah. I could possibly make it. Yeah, so so I, I, think, I think the problem we're really describing here isn't fair decisions. It's... Decisions that don't seem like real decisions because, you know, you all kind of recognize that you're inside of a story and that some plot points just kind of need to go forward in order for the story to be a story. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes sussing out what's what's requisite and what isn't isn't immediately obvious to the players. Um, um, and, 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 and like, I, I think I think you're right. I think, you know, at I think. You, I think you want to give the players the opportunity to figure it out for themselves, but I think as last that you kind of have to just, like, tell them. If, if it looks like they're not seriously considering one of the options because they don't think that's, like, a, a, a kind of 
an out of character viable option, then you kind of just have to tell them. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that there are uh that there's just sometimes where you kind of have to get get around that sort of thing and you know i i don't really mind signposting it right like i signposted the fuck out of this defense of of maple seed brook because uh i wanted you know i couldn't stop mentioning out of character the fact that i wanted you guys to really like you know kind of like think this through and go and like there you know there was no there were no uh like kind of mechanics that were going to define uh uh, kind of define everything for you, right? It was just kind of, I mean, there were eventually mechanics because I caved and I'm a, I'm a weak man and I can't, I can't not, you know, mechanize something that I don't want to. Um, but, um, you know, I, yeah, I think you sometimes just kind of have to eat that, uh, which is, I guess not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And I also think that this kind of thing is spontaneous. Uh, and when it happens spontaneously, that that's really cool. Uh, and that's really interesting, right? Like the, the agreement that you guys made with, um, the agreement that you guys made with what's her face is kind of a version of this, right? Like I wasn't planning for that interaction to happen with Knox where she gets out of here, where she gets out of there alive and you get all this information out of her sort of thing, but she's a threat for you. You know, you, you extend, you essentially kind of like mortgaged her. You could have just killed her outright sort of thing, but you instead chose to make a deal uh, with the devil, make Yeah. Make a deal with the devil. And, And I thought, and you know, and I thought that was great, right? I think that's super perfect because I actually didn't have anything planned for kind of that fantasy almost but it's so necessary for hell's rebels that kind of like after we were done i was just like well i'm actually really glad we hit on that because it makes a lot of sense and it's really cool and i'm glad that we got to kind of engage with things on that uh like on that level yeah no uh, absolutely um hmm did i have did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with, with regard to fairness with this um like would you would you would you run this puzzle, like uh, assuming you could put in all the context you wanted? Would you run this puzzle in your game? Yeah, okay. yeah. If I put in all the context I needed, that's fine. Um. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't think I would. Um, actually, this is actually something we can address. I guess shortly because we're we're a little bit low on time. But we have no D and D to go over this week, so maybe we can eat a little time out of this. Um, what do you think of the, the kind of other part of this, which is that, which is player versus character skill? Like, do you... Do you... Oh, holy shit. I have a, such a hard time with this concept. Um, for instance, I mean, you know, so for instance, something I do because I think of myself as a kind of a charismatic person who takes leadership roles easily, I guess. Um... I, a lot of the time, build my characters around that to a certain extent. But, like, I've never played a character, or I feel I have a hard time playing a character. I mean, even Kenzo is a little bit of this, right? Like, I tried really hard to make Kenzo a little bit of a stuttering motor mouth because that was kind of the only way that I figured I could both satisfy my needs as a player to, like, scratch that RP itch, but also not play a charisma based leader of the group, at least a little bit with like at least a little bit of charisma in there. You know what I mean? Like, um, and so, you know, I, I have a really tough time with it, right? Like 
you know, not that I think Charles Duick is, is a dumb guy or anything like that, but, like, by all means, Alaric is really smart, right? He's got, like, a bazillion intelligence. He should figure out, you know, a logic puzzle that faces out before him, and if Alaric, the pl- you know, like, if Charles, the player, makes the kind of dummy mistake of walking into the, the kind of the four statements, three statements trap, um... I don't know how in character that is for Alaric. Alaric theoretically should be smarter than that, right? Like, wouldn't right. he? Wouldn't he get there? Now, I have every confidence, especially Charles, if you're listening to this, right? Like, I have every confidence that Charles would figure that out, right? I don't think of myself as being particularly good at these kinds of logic puzzles or, uh, or whatever else. Uh, and even I got that almost instantly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. No, my my only problem with that is like you got. I think. I think that's like the the first thing that people go to, but only because you've seen. This is why I told you to tell them that, uh, or to, to read about the, the part about like the person touching the bronze chest. I think you get that instantly once you know that there's something afoot about it. I think the thing you do instantly is you look at the contradictory statement and and be like, oh well, that's that's the answer. And you and oh, you know what? That's actually kind of fair. Yeah, I wonder if in a vacuum I would have sensed that. Because I didn't really give myself any time to think about that. I didn't split up. I just read the whole article kind of back to back. And so I didn't take any time to consider what my answer would have been without the context of the group failing. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that that's kind of like... That, that, is, that is kind of like my other problem with, with the puzzle in a vacuum is that you only look for those problems if you know that there's like something that tells you that the solution... That the obvious solution isn't right. Yeah, this is a problem I have with D&D. This is a problem I have with a lot of games where kind of iterative problem solving is supposed to take place, but it it can't or it's prohibitive to. This is something that killed me in Mass Effect because uh, I was telling you guys about uh, like the architects, which are these big, massive robot things, and they're kind of a multi-stage boss battle. Um, and all of the architects kind of follow the same mish patterns with a little variation because they're in different lands. You know, like the 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 terrain is a little bit different, um, and uh, and some of their kind of move set is different and everything like that. And so you know, like they are kind of like unique and interesting. But um, I got I I got wrapped up in fighting an architect at a very low level when I just didn't have the tools to properly do so. Um, this is when I was running around with my kind of generalist toolkit that I was telling you about, right? Like, I started with a generalist toolkit, and as I got this just, like, dearth of points, um, I started getting more and more specialized. And now I have a very specialized toolkit that is just for killing architects, right? Um, because, uh, you know, the the stuff that I use to kill regular guys just does not work against them sort of thing. Um but the way that the save point was structured was just really aggravating because I needed to iterate over this challenge over and over again. Uh, but, you know, every time I died, I would have to spend, you know, 45 seconds in a loading screen. This is kind of where I figured out that loading screen thing of like, if you manually save rather than relying on the resume button, you just instantly pop back into your game, or sorry, manually load, you instantly pop back into your game rather than just, than like waiting like, right. a, like a fucking minute for like the, the loading timer to go out. Um, and then you, you know, wherever you saved, you cannot save once you're in the fight with the architect, and the fight with the architect starts at a pretty far radius from it. 
um, because you kind of like penetrate its like aggro range and then it starts flying around and lands and then you start your fight kind of thing. Um, and so it just like added all this extra time and it was just like really fucking aggravating, right? To kind of keep uh, like quote unquote wiping on that on that same spot um, and all of the time between those those wipes. Um, and a lot of gaming in a macro sense mirrors that kind of problem solving, right? It, you know, it's iterative, it's trial and error a little bit, right? And this is something where you can't do try, you know, like where trial and error punishes you exceedingly hard. Um, it's not even like it curses you. I actually think I would have been very okay if like, you know, one of the chests, like the first time you touch a chest is cursed or something. The second time you touch a chest, it kills you, you know, or, what, or whatever else sort of thing. Um, or like, you know, like... The first time it just tells you, or, or like, you know, like, maybe you've seeded this with, like, you've got, like, you know, so like, th there's a resurrection spell available to you that you can use right there. To, like, so something to kind of negate that first death. Um, and however you do it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, kind of to what... I, you know, I was actually kind of surprised that, d d God, that didn't come up at all, did it? it like, nothing about kind of, like, resing the character or anything like that, right? Yeah, I I, th I guess it's because it got he got kind of exploded. So yeah, um, I I think that's all very mixed feelings about resurrection in games like this. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like that's a whole separate problem. Is like how deathy is death. Yeah, um, but I like I, I don't think that that's like that's, that that's the dude, I mean that, that so by the way, just to kind of like wind all the way back to one of the other reasons that I didn't want to do this sacrifice is because. It's it's not even just that it's not even just that like resurrection exists right like I don't think any of you guys have ever had to res nobody's had to do like a like a raise dead or anything like that um, but because like I made this huge plot point out of Tonric's true resurrection right which I like a lot right like I think that that's that's a cool way to kind of walk into um, uh, you know that that's a cool by the way another decision point you guys could have rezzed Gondor if you right. wanted um, and the campaign would have taken a whole different you know. Um, but anyway, you know, like, um, because I made that such a plot point, I think there's a natural expectation of, okay, well, you, you know, you'll sacrifice yourself and we'll come back for your body and res you sort of thing. And I was like, well, no, that fucking undercuts the, that undercuts the whole sacrifice of it. And so I needed to build a situation where that decision was practically impossible. And then I was just like, now I'm just being a dick. You know what I mean? By like. You know, try trying. It's trying so hard to kind of like cage the, the 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 feeling I want from this resurrection is. It's just it's go, no matter what, there are just too many pitfalls to fall into, and I'm never gonna get there, right? Because as soon as they kind of you know, as soon as you start seeing the invisible walls all around you, it's just gonna kill the whole experience. Right? No, I I agree. I agree entirely. Um, what I, I, I will tell you what it is later if you remind me, but it's it's way later because okay. it's it hasn't technically come up yet. Uh, but after book three, I can I can explain what the whole thing was, and I'm sure you'll say I'm so glad you got rid of that, buddy. <laughs> well, we'll 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 have to see. Um, do you have anything else you want to say on this? Anything else on players player versus character skill? Because we kind of quickly bounced off of that. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. Um, I think if a player asks for it, I think it's okay. Like, uh, like, like I usually like, uh, the, the best example of this I've ever, I ever had is, is that a game we played in college where one of, uh, 
one of the players was kind of like a stuttering nerd, like a very stuttering nerd, but played a high charisma character. Um, you know, you kind of have to respect that, you know, I deploy him well and I roll a 20. Um, and you know, that, that's the way it goes. Um, I think, I think if they give like, like, you know, like a, I don't know. Cause it also pisses like I've, uh, one of, one of the, uh, one of my players, um, Alexio, um, will occasionally be like, uh, it'll, it'll be like, I, I attempted diplomacy in the, like, this is in our 5e game and the GM will be like, well, what do you say? He says, the thing that would most eff effectively convince the other person. And that's like what he leaves it at. And that's just kind of like, really? Like, it, it, it kind of just like hurts my soul. But it kind Wait, of... I'm sorry. Can you? I'm, I'm what? So, so let, let, let's let's say his character, who is charismatic, wants to try and convince someone of something, right? Oh, uh, I see. Okay, say, I, I, no, roll... okay I got you. I, I, yeah. Okay, I roll a high diplomacy check, and I say, I say the right thing, right? Well, like, yeah, yeah, like, he, he, like, even without the high diplomacy, he's like, he's like, I will roll this diplomacy check. What do you say to him? The thing that would be the most persuasive is like, like, kind of verbatim what he will say, um, like. Like j just that phrase, and it'll be like, "Oh, okay, I guess, right?" And it, like, and I get it, but it, but it, but it hurts. Um, that is that is super aggravating. I'm super into it. No, wait, wait, wait which which one? Are, are you? Uh, the, the, you're his, into my aggravation. His, his, yeah, his his fucking that mindset is something that would kill me. I would just give him, like, a minus 10 circumstance bonus, right? Like, what you thought was convincing was not very convincing, you piece of shit. Like, <laughs> like I, I I think that's also kind of, like, you know, to, to continue with the theme, I think you also have to, like, let him know, like, look, I'm not going to hold it against you if you say something, like, unless you're doing something intentionally done, I'm not going to hold it against you if you kind of say something not right. I'll take the role to account, but at least give me a good faith effort. I think that's fair outside of, like... You know, like physical. You know, like like like, like actual, the like uh, problem, right? Like, you know, if someone actually stutters so hard that they can't speak, you know, maybe I'll give them a pass. Um, you know, it's kind of like a you know, like th that's a special circumstance for that person. Um, but I do think I want my players to give give a good faith effort at like at trying before b b before they uh they fall back on like you know like I do it real good. Cause I rolled real good, um, yeah. Like, like I think I think in this particular situation, if you know we're trying to solve this puzzle, and you know Alaric says, um, Al Alaric says, I would like Alaric to try and figure this out using his massive intellect. I think I give it to him. Do you would you agree with that? Like or like, I might give him. I might give him some hints. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. That, 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 you know what I mean. That that would be something I'd be down like, for. I think. But what I mean, when I'd give it to him is like I'd let him roll it and give him like, give him some reward accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I think I might roll that. I think I might roll that, and then if he gets a low roll, I might be misleading. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he rolls high, I say something like, the statue said four sentences, not three, or whatever. But, like, if he rolls low, I might say something along the lines of... Like, point, point, uh, point out the logical contradiction. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, a chest, you know, a chest can neither be, uh, you know, safe to touch 
or a chest must either be one of safe to touch or deadly to touch. It cannot be both sort of thing, right? You know, like to try and be, you know, like to try and kind of coach him into that, into that trap because hypothetically the, the, the role gets him there. I don't know. Part of me just says like, part of me wants people to engage with this on a player's level, right? Like, like for instance, okay, you know what? I'm not a military fucking tactician, right? But I'm sure that, you know, someone who is, right, Rakax, who spends all of his, you know, who spent all of his early life in the military with, like, tactics and strategy, would know the best way to engage in a firefight and wouldn't make dumb mistakes. But Enoch the player makes dumb mistakes because he's not, you know, he didn't go to fucking West Point. You know what I mean? And, and like, there's a certain place where it's appropriate to kind of test the player on player skill rather than kind of like simulate the character's character skill. Right. Uh, if that makes sense. Uh, and like, maybe this is a point where that line gets drawn uh, in like an RP situation. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, I, I think if the player asks, right, like, like what, like I think in like in a direct combat situation, like that's always like straight up player skill. Right. But like, if we're like planning, like, like in the planning of the defense of Maple Seed Brook, if, 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 if a character says, I roll, like, kind of like in the same way, it's like, I roll my engineering to engineer the, 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 the barracks better, or, or like the, 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 the pylons better. Um, if, if, if a character, if Rakax were to say, I roll my professional soldier, assuming he has it, to kind of like inform what would be better tactics or to try and get a read on that, I think that's a, a, a fair use of, of, player skill and i think or a, a fair use of, of character trait um yeah yeah i don't know i think i think it also comes down to individual situation right like it really does it comes down a lot to context i think yeah like i, th I think in, in the situation we just described alaric asks to roll intelligence on this puzzle i think i think the way i would do it is is kind of what you said is i i'd say i say i'm gonna roll this in secret um if you roll low, I'm going to give you something misleading, and if you roll high, I'm going to give you something good. And if you roll, um, you know, like I, uh, you know, like I, I would warn him that there's a potential hazard there because I think that's also kind of necessary if you're going to do that. Um, and then I'd, I'd give it to him, or I'd let him say like, "Do you still want it?" Because um, that that kind of puts the play the choice squarely in his hands, but lets him kind of potentially lev leverage Alaric's. Um, Alaric's intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, how was your week? My week was fine. Shit, what did I do this week? I just, God, man, I've just been plugging away on, like, WoW and, uh, and Mass Effect Andromeda. I know that I'm getting to that point of Mass Effect Andromeda where I'm basically done with it. Um, even though, like, I'm pretty sure I'm right at the end. But something that I did was I kind of put aside the rest of the story missions, and I was like, I'm going to go kind of clear out this these side missions or whatever. But the kind of completionist in me, now I'm doing kind of like the shitty side missions that I'm not interested or engaged by. Um, even though some of them have been like really interesting in ways that I didn't expect. They kind of took off 
Uh, you know, it'll be like a little, it'll be like a little plot thread or whatever that's like, oh, go scan five doobity dops, right? And then you have to like drive all over the map and just like boop boop scan, boop boop scan, right? But then once you get get the five doobity dops, now somebody's like, well, here, make this really cool and interesting moral decision. I'm like, oh wow, uh, sort of thing. But yeah, I'm I'm mostly kind of like playing cleanup a little bit before I'm ready to like really put the game down and uh, uh, and I guess like move on with my life. Um, so, you know, there's that. And then, uh, and then, God, what have I been doing? I was going to say something about WoW, but I can't remember what I was going to say. How's it? Womp womp. Do you have flying? Oh, I do have flying. Oh, my God. Flying is great. Flying is so nice. And I really, I, I think it came right at the perfect spot. I didn't realize how much I wanted it and how much it was making me willing to do things again until i got it essentially well, that makes sense um, to me the big oh okay so this is what i'm doing the big thing that i'm doing now is i'm actually leveling up other classes to see the different class campaigns which is phenomenal which is super a ton of fun um one of the problems with the class campaign is because it un, like it rolled out at certain level intervals i feel like i didn't quite get it all back to back to back but something that i've been doing with my class campaign uh because i've been leveling much quicker because like um so there are these things called invasions now is i kind of save the missions and then i just kind of like get down and dirty and do a big giant chunk of missions all back to back um in order to kind of like see like the story play out progressively uh which has been super cool and much more fun and interesting um and it sucks a little bit because now that i'm getting super into it uh they did a developer q a the other day where they were kind of talking about how the whole the kind of subtext of this developer q a is that they were talking about how patch 7.2 is literally the biggest patch they have ever patched into the game right um and they announced that like they said someone said that on the forums and it kind of got like picked up as like the line about patch 7.2 and then when it came out and it looked a lot like other kind of patches along like 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 along these lines right like patch 6.2 opened up to nan and hellfire citadel and everything like that right like all you know like this is this is a thing that wow has done before um and so or like the timeless isle and like siege of orgrimmar kind of thing and so it didn't quite live up to that hype and uh and what watcher did is he got on uh the the dev thing and he basically was kind of like well like yeah like by quantifiable metrics this is true right like there were more quests added there are more voice lines added and everything like that um but because so much of this expansion is kind of class-based it's not something that you're necessarily seeing, right? Um, you know, you're only seeing one twelfth of it because there are twelve classes, and you might not necessarily be playing all of them. Oh, I um, see. Huh. And he mentioned that in kind of like a conciliatory way, as if he was a little bit like, "Yeah, we learned our lesson. We're not going to split up, you know, kind of content like this again." And I'm sitting here like, "No, no, no, no! Keep doing it. This is really cool. This is really interesting, right? I don't mind leveling up alts in order to see the different, you know, like in order to see the I, different quests that they're adding and everything like that." I think the unfortunate truth is that you don't. I think most of the player base does. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, well, so I think most of the vocal player base does. And I think that even though this patch is very alt-friendly, like it's ridiculously alt-friendly, the expansion itself does not feel alt-friendly because it doesn't, because, you know, like, like okay, so even if you can kind of jump 
to artifact knowledge whatever you know what i mean like people have still just been farming artifact knowledge pretty ridiculous like pretty ridiculous rates for the entire expansion and so yeah you're earning it at a faster rate than everybody else but you've also been doing it for way less of a time and that just feels sucky um along with other things you know what i mean like you know having to it was fun and interesting to kind of train up my order hall companions and get all of my champion equipment and you know like and, and everything like that but if I'm playing an alt character, or I'm switching my main. This happened recently. One of the players in our raid group switched from mage to shaman. Um, now he has to level up all of his shaman guys for his work orders, and he doesn't have, you know, like a huge number of order resources, not, you know, and all of these other kinds of things. And that feels, you know, and that feels punishing. And even though I think that is a absolutely a problem with player mindset, um, it is unfortunately trickling down into this kind of. Uh, uh, into this kind of mindset for, you know, what, what people are talking about and what they're saying. And so I, I don't know. I think it's even true yeah. beyond that. Like if I had to guess, even like the non-vocals are still only playing one, like the people who are non-vocal are probably also the people who play more casually and play only one character kind of naturally. Um, and I think that kind of in like a, like grand sphere of things, right? Like having content that by definition only like, one twelfth of the characters will ever experience is not great a great thing to to kind of focus an expansion around. Like it's is literally less bang for per per buck. Right? Like you, you, you kind of have to go out and do these extra extra things as a player to experience all the content. Which is fine, I think it's small piece, but I think like like this is the same reason why they introduced Raid Finder, right? Like you know, if most of the people aren't going to experience the content, why are why are we building this content? Um, if you follow me. No, I definitely do. Uh, I definitely see, see what you're, uh, what you're getting at. And I'm not, and I'm obviously not like, you know, like I don't want to get on kind of raid finders, uh, case, uh, when it comes to this, because I think raid finder is great. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I like, I, I like alts. I play a lot of alts. I find alts to be... Uh, like a fun and engaging way to stay kind of up in the game. You know what I mean? As soon as the rate of things dropping for my main becomes like uninteresting, um, one of the ways to get around that is to start getting onto um, an alt. Yeah. It's, you know, like that, that's kind of what happened. Like I was flagging on the game for a while and then I just kind of like picked up Zon Hao as my alt, And all of a sudden I was like right back into it because it was, uh, uh, you know, I was like, I was, you know, getting back in the swing of things. And that was a lot of, that was, that was fun. And that was interesting. Yeah. I, I, this is partially why I quit. I, I, I hate alts. I just can't. Oh really? Like I, um, I try, yeah. I put, I put some effort into Steve Arino and, um, Maybe also, uh, and and also, um, my, uh, my uh, alliance, uh, fucking rogue. Yeah, my alliance broke, but I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, I wasn't feeling it. Um, I'm one one character player, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's I, I totally get that. That's what Mark is like a little bit, and I keep telling him, I'm like, dude, just like fucking get, you know, play an alt, get an alt up there, and have some fun. Uh, you know, just kind of like almost like dicking around a little bit but it's a tough thing because it can either be 
like because because it can it can be a little bit of a trap too if you start getting you know like your alts up and now you're doing stuff like all of the kind of low level maintenance that you're doing on your main is now being done on your alts is now being done on all of your alts and that can be cool right like there was a while where i was completing all three of my emissary boxes on all four of my level 110 characters and i was having a lot of fun doing it but it's very easy for me to switch that on and off right but that obligation that gets that can get created is something that i think can really get under somebody's skin um and kind of cause a lot of like the like why am i logging in to play this chore uh that comes with you know that comes with the game under under shitty circumstances um and so if you're if it's not something that you are going to be able to manage that kind of thing can drive you out of it so it is a little bit of a double-edged sword i guess yeah no absolutely that makes sense um uh, did you have anything else you want to say about WoW? No, no, I did not. Uh, what uh, what's been going on with you? How's your life? Um, uh, how's your life going? It's going pretty all right. Um, I haven't gotten around to playing the Necromancer yet, unfortunately. Um, uh, we'll have to. I'll have to give talk about that a little bit next episode, hopefully. Um, I in literary news, I finished the Gunslinger, uh, which, oh, which is the first book of the Dark Tower series. Um, I we will, I will probably talk about that. I assume we will see the movie and we will talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, to put it kind of in, in a word, um, you know what? I'll, I'll wait until the movie comes out and uh, I'll talk, I'll talk about it. I won't talk about it now. And just so I don't kind of poison your mind. Cause I do kind of am interested in this, like, you know, a versus B testing that, that, that we did with ghost of the show. I think it will also be valuable sure. from dark tower. Um, yep. uh, uh, um, just the, the only thing I'm going to say is I, I am sufficiently inspired to read the rest of the series. Um, so, so, you know, a thumbs up, a thumbs up at least. Um, otherwise I've played, um, some Overwatch and some HOTS, some with you. Oh my God. I've been playing Overwatch and HOTS. I forgot about that. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, o Overwatch is fun. Um, I'm sure you want to talk about the Uprising event. Um, yeah. Did you, yeah, did you ever do the Uprising nope, event? I have. Oh, I, I hate it, it is a lot of. Uh, it is a, it is a lot of fun. It's uh it's a lot of the same kind of satisfaction that comes um it's a lot of the satisfaction that comes from uh like payday almost um because what it um what it, you know like it's it's just the feel like the like that feeling of just like mowing dudes down just feels just feels great. Uh, Overwatch is less built for this than Payday is because Payday is a lot more, um, kind of like, like, like Payday, especially once you get like good at Payday, going out into the open is an incredibly deadly proposition. And so it's about kind of like localizing yourselves and then defending kind of checkpoints and areas and then as the objectives change and you need to move around the map right like those not letting those excursions punish and kill you is kind of like the proper way to play payday and there are aspects of that that are that are in the overwatch uprising event um you know the first thing it asks you to do is defend three point is you know like kind of cap three points um the next thing it asks you to do is uh defend uh defend a payload right like the payload has a health bar and it's taking damage from stuff and you just need to clear stuff before it can do much damage to the payload and then you have to deliver the payload to a spot and then you have to kill four kind of mini bosses uh 
in like a like a final blaze of glory sort of uh sort of interaction right um it doesn't quite get to the same to the same level for me as what i think makes payday good um but it definitely scratches that itch of just like you know going in there with uh i mean a lot of people you know uh, a lot of people play like Bastion or whatever. My favorite, uh, uh, my favorite character to play Reaper was a lot of fun to play. Um, I also played, you know, like Soldier Seventy Six. I played a, a fantastic game as Widowmaker that was just tons of fun, headshotting all of the robots, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that it would get incredibly boring and repetitive if I had done it more than like the four times I did it. Yeah, no, that that um, that makes sense. Um. I don't know. Like I said, I just don't like PvE that much. Um, it's still a great game, though. I, I am having fun diving back into it. Um, friend of the friend of the show, Akshay, host of Unwise Index, um, he bought a razor blade so he could play with us. So, uh, oh shit! Uh, the, it it look for it, so far. It's been like it's been uh, uh, me, Charles, Monik, Akshay, X, and like who's the last person? Last person usually kind of like rotates out. We did it with Jimmy once, um, so uh, look for us online, buddy. We should we should play some. I know I I've been meaning to get to get back into it. I'm also doing the uh, the hot uh, Nexus challenge. Yeah, the the Nexus challenge. Um, been having a lot of fun playing different hot characters. I really like. I cannot believe that they don't copy this system for League. Like I just don't know why the system isn't there um i've been playing a lot of stealth characters uh because i got nova and valera or whatever from the uh uh from like the big bundle that you get or whatever um and the stealth characters are super fun to play both as and kind of against because the the kind of shimmer you know what I mean? Like, if you damage a stealth character while they are in stealth, it unstealths them, right? And so it makes you look for that shimmer, essentially. Um, and you... Uh, it, 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 it makes you look for that shimmer, and it makes you, like, think differently about where the... Like, how to play the game and what to play the game, and you're paying attention to different things. And it's just it's just a really cool interaction. Um and so I've been I've been I've been pretty into it. Yeah, no, play, playing Hots has been fun for me. I, I you know I realized why I loved Mobas again. Um, I don't think I'm ready to go back to League, but it, I have been having a ton of fun with it. I think to kind of speak to your point about why maybe League doesn't do that with invisible characters, um, shimmers like that are prime targets for things that work better or worse. On di Ooh, on different computers, different machines. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I also think that it doesn't work as well for league because league games are longer and more the the variety in a hots game, uh, especially of you don't know what map you're queuing into, can uh, really make a like can really make a big difference. Yeah, I guess uh, hots at least in quick play is is like forced casual, which um is fine by me. Um, yeah. Oh, I know, man. I am all about, uh, I, you know, anytime I, I, I play with people, I'm, and they're like, no, you know, this person's really good in the meta. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to know about the meta. I just want to, you know, I just want to play the game. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree 100%. But, uh, uh, did, I think that might be all we have time for. Did you have anything else you wanted to particularly talk about? 
No. Uh, next week, we're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, planning on seeing it on Thursday. I know you're, you're, you've got yeah, weekend I'm plans. seeing it on Saturday, I think. Uh... And uh, I'm 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 excited and I'm interested. It's funny because you know it's funny because I'm not as invested in Guardians as I am in things like um, I don't know like like Kong. Like I was really invested in kind of Kong or whatever. And and so I didn't pay very much attention to what people were saying about Kong, but I'm paying a lot of attention to what people are saying about Guardians because I'm more interested in what other people think about Guardians than what I than what I am going to think about it um, because. The first one just like didn't didn't quite like hit me as as square in the, you know, in the nutsack as as uh, uh, you know like other movies did or do or whatever. So I'm just super interested to see what the kind of like what everyone will say as soon as it comes out, um, because there's been a lot of variety of opinion. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll uh, we'll definitely have have that for you guys next week. Um. Hopefully, some variety of opinion. Uh, yeah. Anything? Anything else? No. Uh, yeah. Um, if you want to tell us what you think, how you think, uh, Guardians is gonna be, or how you feel about this puzzle, um, or how you uh feel about World of Warcraft or Uprising or any any of the things we talked about in this podcast, you can reach us at subjectsplaygames at gmail .com. You can reach us. Uh, you can watch us play uh, Hell's Rebels, which we talked about quite a bit today, at twitch.tv slash games. You can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and all these great places. All the links are in the description. Um, rate us on iTunes. Email us. Comment on SoundCloud. We love it all. Um, and uh, did you have anything else you wanted to remote, buddy? Nope. Uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. Loyal listeners.